The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Uh, if you would, <clears throat> please uh, crack into James. We're going to be in chapter 4. Uh, just, just to start here, uh, that, and we're going to look at verses 13 and 14. Um, this morning is going to be a little, a little different. Here's what, here's what happened. We, we had a plan to continue uh, coming out of Advent, jump back into our series through Galatians called Free Indeed. And as I begin looking back at, at the, the text that we would have been in at the beginning of the week and praying through that and trying to you know, build the skeleton for what would be a sermon. I just, I couldn't get it. I couldn't get that, that peace that often comes when I'm in that process where I feel like, all right, we, we're hit, we hit the shoot where we're, we need to go. And so I just kind of backed up and asked the Lord what, what that was about. And uh, I, I think he wants us to just, just take a minute today before we jump back into Galatians and, and look at something together. And uh, I'm excited to do that with you. So this is just going to be a, a standalone uh, you know, we pray here often, Lord, do what you want to do. And those aren't just words. Uh, we're welcome to the interruption of the Holy Spirit in our plans. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So this is a Holy Spirit interruption, I believe. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. So the, the first thing to kind of, well, and let me also say this. I just want you to be prepared. This is going to feel more like a Bible study than a sermon in some ways. Uh, a lot of times I'll, we'll have one text and, and really just work out of that one text, but the particulars of what we're looking at today, I'm going to have you turn in, if you've got a Bible in your hands, I'm going to have you turn in with me to several verses, uh, and we're, we're going to work on some stuff this morning together. So I'm going get, get to uh, get your Bible muscles flexing here, stretched out beginning of the year. Is that all right? So I just want to study the Bible with you today and <clears throat> look at some important things as we start 2022. So the first thing I'd like to hear from you is just go ahead and, and shout it out. I know that's terrifying, but a couple of you will do it. Just shout out words that you think of in terms of describing the Bible. So when I say, give me a word association with the Bible, what, what comes? The Bible is true, life, love, dense. That's good. Dense. It is dense. Inerrant. Thank you. Anything else? It's a miracle. That. Come on now. That's good. Beautiful. Okay. Good. Awesome. Those are all. I, I affirm all of those. I'm happy with all of those. I'm thankful this church can shout a bunch of associated words with the miracle of God's word. Uh, it is that. It's wonderful, it's beautiful, it's majestic, it's deeper than we could ever possibly imagine. It's holy. I'm thankful for all those things. But I also want to submit to you this morning a word you probably don't associate with the Bible, and that's dangerous. <laughs> Pastor Andrew knows what I'm talking about. He thinks he knows what I'm talking about. We'll see how synced up we are here in a second. I want to submit to you this morning that the Word of God is dangerous. It can be dangerous. What do I mean? It's dangerous when folks take bits and pieces and build doctrine or make application 
without considering what the full counsel of God's word teaches us about a given subject. It can be dangerous. The word of God has power. And there are some through uh, motives of, of malice that will take bits and pieces and wield that against and be used against the purposes of God. Sometimes it's done just out of ignorance, but in any case, it's dangerous. It can cause damage. And I want to show you an example of that today as we work through what I believe the Holy Spirit kind of wants us to be considering today, okay? So <clears throat> that's why this is, it's gonna feel, you know, not that my normal preaching is, is as smooth as a baby's bottom anyways. I'm not that great of a public speaker and or organizer of thoughts, but today may seem a little disjointed. I'm gonna run, you know, a lot of scripture, but I'm trying to show you something. I'm trying to show you sometimes how the Bible can be dangerous, how we want to avoid that, but also that that setup is also going to lead us to the ability to consider some principles today that are important as we move into 2022, okay? So did you turn, hopefully, to James 4? We're looking at verses 13 and 14. So here's the deal. Um, if you have a Bible with you, I'm gonna, we're going to run through like five verses here to open this thing up. We're going to be bouncing around a little bit. If you have a Bible with you and you can keep up, uh, go ahead and do that. Turn the, turn the pages with me, and I'll give you some helpers here. Uh, I, I just like the idea of having you move around in your Bible and find where we're at. Amen? So just chalk it up to being a pastor and wanting you to know how to navigate your Bible. If you don't have one with you, I think we have these ready up here, okay? Thank you, guys. So I'm working them real hard this morning. We should double whatever we're paying you, man. <clears throat> it's zero. That's the joke. <laughs> so, Amen. All right. <coughs> and I've got a Ricola in my pocket because we went from 60s to 35. Ohio, baby. Let's do it. So you might see that come out. All right. Uh, James 4, uh, 13 through 14. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Okay, that's interesting. Let's look at Matthew 6, verse 34 together. Matthew, is, if you're learning how to navigate your Bible, it's going to be between Mark and Malachi. Okay, so keep in mind what we just read. I'm going to put a ribbon there. I've got ribbons in my Bible. I really like ribbons. They're helpful. All right, Matthew 6, verse 34. Keep in mind the last verse we read. Here's, here's what it says. These are red letters, word of the master himself. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So if we took James 13 and 14, what we read there, be careful about saying we're going to go to such and such a city and, and do business. You don't know anything. Basically, is what James said, right? And then what did we see here in Matthew 6, 34? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. It's got to, we got enough trouble to worry about today. Let tomorrow be its own thing, okay? That's, if we just read what we just read, those are the conclusions you come away with. And... If you're somebody that 
is kind of a freewheeler, doesn't think planning's very fun and or useful, man, those verses, you, you might be resonating so far. I like that. It very much seems like Jesus doesn't want me to plan. He said, don't even worry about tomorrow. And James said, you don't know what's going on. It's your prideful self. So just float, man. Just, just float. Well, that's a problem. You see what I'm talking about? You could take two verses, little bits and pieces. You could build doctrine and application off of it. All right, let's read some more verses, though. Go with me to Luke, chapter 14, verses 28 through 30. Luke is between Mark and John, if you're still learning how to find books. Luke 14. I did not pre-mark these in my Bible, so we're, we're flipping together. If you beat me there, don't get prideful, though. Luke 14, 28 through 30, all right? We read some verses that really make it look like planning is prideful and not that useful. Don't worry about it. Okay, well, you might have a problem. This is also the words of Jesus. Uh, Luke 14, 28 through 30. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish... All who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Hmm, that sounds like making a plan. Sounds like maybe setting a goal before you go off to do whatever you're going to do, doesn't it? So now Jesus, which one do we do, Jesus? Right? All right, we're not done. Proverbs 6, okay? Proverbs is between Psalms and Ecclesiastes. If you're trying to find Proverbs, finding Psalms is is a good way to do that. Basically, if you crack your Bible in half, typically you're going to end up in the Psalms or somewhere close to it. And then Proverbs is right after that, okay? Let's go to Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11. See what some wisdom literature has to say on the subject. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, okay, so nobody's telling the ant to do it, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest ahead of time, (laughs) Uh, before you can't, right? There's a plan there. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Okay, that's Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. Seems like the writer of that proverb thinks some forward-looking planning. If you don't know what that means, look at ants. Get you an ant farm and watch it a minute. Okay, that's the suggestion there. Uh, I'm not getting any affiliate links for ant farms from Amazon, just so you know. Uh, We don't do that, okay? Amen. Proverbs 21. Thank you, somebody over there for thinking that was funny. It was funny. No one else thought it was funny. That's all right. Okay. That's all right. I'll get you at some point here. I got lots of jokes. I'm a dad. We're good at that. Okay, Proverbs 21. Did I say that? Proverbs 21, verse 5. Let's look at that together. So just a few more pages in Proverbs. 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to uh, poverty. Okay, The plans of the diligent certainly lead to advantage, but everyone who is in a hurry certainly comes to poverty. So here's another piece of wisdom literature pointing us to the value of planning, having 
uh, a way forward, a goals even, okay? So we read a couple verses in James 4 and in Matthew 6 that made it seem like forward-looking and planning is kind of useless and maybe prideful. And then we read some verses from Luke and Proverbs that seem to be pointing us to the, the great value of planning and that if we're going to be followers of God, followers of, of Jesus even, that that's something we should engage in. So what do we do with this apparent conundrum? What do we do with what looks like two opposing views being advocated by the scriptures? Well, there's a few ways that people go at solving things like this. I'm just pointing one out to you today about goal setting and planning and how if you have a certain perspective and you're going to the scriptures to try to find that perspective, you could. Is that right or wrong? That's right. Okay. So I'm just showing you this in one example around this particular subject, but it, it happens quite often because the Bible is often more nuanced and far wiser than we are at face value. You can say amen to that. That's, that's a good word and it's true. The Bible is often oftentimes far wiser than, than we are. We tend to silo things based on a lot of factors. <clears throat> Sometimes the Bible is going to push us to think harder and to pray more and consider more heavily what it is that we're trying to figure out than, than we may on our own, okay? So here's some ways some people would deal with that. They might think, well, uh, Matthew 6 is a more famous passage of Scripture, and Jesus said right there, well, don't worry about tomorrow, Tomorrow, worry about itself. That seems pretty plain to me. You know, I know James said that stuff he said, but, you know, I'll just go with Jesus. So that's, so that's somehow, sometimes that's how people try to solve issues like this. They'll pit the Bible against the Bible, or they'll pit certain authors of Scripture against each other. Well, I, I don't really like what Paul says. He says some intense stuff. So I'm just, I just like the red letters. I'll just, if Jesus said it, well, here's the thing, man, you don't even get out of this. Because the second thing I read you about, don't start a tower till you plan. Who said that? Was that Paul? No, man, it was Jesus, okay? So that doesn't even solve the problem, and that's a terrible way to approach Scripture. That's one thing I want you to see out of this Bible study today. Don't do that. Don't pit Scripture against Scripture. Scripture is harmonious. If you don't see how it is, it's us, not the Scripture that's the problem. Amen, okay? Or another way somebody might deal with this is just, they just lean heavier into, they, they can't see how to reconcile these, this seeming contradiction, so they just lean heavy into the one they like better, <laughs> right? Or fits their personality. Maybe, maybe you've got, if you are kind of a, a freewheeling, free spirit, plans and, and spreadsheets and writing stuff down, blah, that's a bummer. That's for squares, man. I'm just gonna, wherever the wind blows, that's where I'm going, right? Or, you, so you may, you may like, you may look at Matthew 6, 34, don't worry about tomorrow. Great, awesome, I've got permission from the Lord. And James said it's prideful anyways, I'm just a vapor. <laughs> Blowing around, right? So I'm just gonna be that. With, with no consideration for these other scriptures that seem to really put a high value on having something that looks like a plan sometimes, right? Or if you're like, you know, you have a premium membership to everything Excel has ever put out, right? Like, you know, you just really like spreadsheets and plans and you've got like, on, in your planner is a note to like make a plan about another thing, right? Like you plan to plan. You're very organized. You very much like structure and 
Those people that kind of float wispy around, you just, you can't even imagine how they live their life. You may really like the verses about don't go try to build a tower, man, until you have a plan. I need a plan. I need a lot of plan. Multiple plans on how to plan, right? Like that may be you and you may just lean into that side of the thing without any consideration for the humility being encouraged in these other verses when it comes to this subject. You may just like, oh, well, I don't know. James must have been having a bad day. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what Jesus meant there, but it can't mean for me not to have lots of plans all the time and stick to them. Can't mean that for sure. Amen. Everybody got poked a little bit in there, right? Praise the Lord. It's okay. You know, if, you re- if you're reading the Bible and you come away like, man, I thought reading the Bible was going to make me feel better about myself. Like somebody lied to you, man. Part of what the Bible does is cut you, man. It's a sword. <laughs> it does surgery on you. The surgery brings healing, but man, it, yeah, you, you know, it, it cuts. Hallelujah. Without anesthesia. The Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. So <clears throat> that's not what we do. We don't just lean into the one we like better. Okay. And we don't pit scripture against scripture. That's not how this works. We have to remember that God's word is harmonious. And so when we find an apparent contradiction, we stop, we pray, we think, we study, we can consult others within the body of Christ. And then if we've done all of that and it still looks like a square peg in a round hole, then then we assume the issue is our finite minds and not the infinite and eternal mind of God from which came the word of God that he gave us, right? So I, I may need to stand in humility sometimes and there's many things that are that way, For me today, I've been studying the Bible a long time, but there are certain principles that I have to chalk up to the fact that God's ways are higher than mine. He thinks in ways I can't possibly conceive. And so these things kind of hang in tension. I don't know how that reconciles, but I know in his mind it does because his word says that both are true. And and some things are gonna have to stay on the shelf that way. I can pray, I can ask God for wisdom and understanding and for him to help me with that, but you know, by faith, there, there are certain things when it comes to studying the Bible and understanding who God is and how everything works according to him. You, j- you just need to sign up for this reality. You're going to hit points where the end of the road is, I'm going to have to believe him by faith. I don't get it. <laughs> and, that may, and I'm not saying that's always an issue with us, me in particular, you in particular, or humanity not being able to understand. Uh, it at all. Sometimes it's just that we, where I'm at in my journey, I come up short of being able to, you know, come up with an, an answer that makes sense of that. But there are certain things, there are mysteries that belong to the Lord. And uh, I'm okay with that. If I could totally figure him out and understand everything about him, his Trinitarian nature and his sovereignty and how all of that exactly totally works before the foundations of the world were ever laid, if I could totally figure him out, uh, he wouldn't be as wondrous. I, I am not at all surprised that God frequently blows my mind and leaves me in just kind of a puddle of humble acknowledgement <laughs> that he's God and I'm not. Amen? I hope, he, I hope that happens to you too. Lots and lots and lots. I want you in a humble puddle. Good for you. Amen. Now, so... We don't do those other things. So, so what does it look like to try to reconcile these seemingly contradictory teachings about making plans or setting goals that we just read? How do we go about that? Well, 
Let's, let's work on that a little bit. What does that look like? I would submit to you that the Proverbs that we read about planning and, and preparation, those are pretty straightforward. So I think what we can establish from that is that the Lord sees setting goals and making plans as a wise practice when done properly. Okay, I think that from, from what we read in Proverbs, that's pretty clear. Now the passage from Luke that we read, that's the one about don't start a tower till you sit down and like add some stuff up, you know, right? That, that, that passage in Luke, in, in context, okay, it, it is not primarily about planning. Jesus is not giving you uh, tips and tricks on how to have a more organized life in Luke, uh, in that passage. What Jesus is doing there in context, it's, it's primarily, he's, he's using an illustration. The whole thing about the tower, that's an illustration to teach us about counting the cost of being his disciple. So let's also make sure when we're looking at application and doctrine and all of that, that we, we keep in mind what's going on. Jesus didn't, in the middle of uh, Luke's gospel, there wasn't this sit down where he said, okay, guys, you know, what's that lady's name, Marie Kondo? I'm about to Marie Kondo your life or whatever. Let's get you all organized. That's not what was happening here. Is that really her name or did I mess it up? I got it right? Yes. Pop culture reference. I get a gold star on my pastor chart. Um, that's, that, that's not what was happening here. He was teaching about the cost of discipleship. And that's a whole other sermon that if I get it, let's just not, because that won't be good in terms of time frame. But I can say a lot about that. So it's an illust- the whole thing about the tower is an illustration about the cost of being his disciple. But the principle still stands. If the master is willing to grab this illustration and use it to, to try to teach you specifically about the, counting the cost of being his disciple, then, then the principle still stands, right? He's saying a good thing to do if you were going to build a tower is to sit down and maybe write some things and add, right? Have a plan, make a goal, okay? So that's interesting. And, and also... We need to consider Matthew 6, right? What did we read on Matthew 6? We read one verse, right? And the Bible is often dangerous when you just read one verse. That's why we did it. It says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries. It'll worry about itself. And then we just pulled up out of there. You know, we just ran in, read a verse, and jumped out. And if, if I'm somebody that thinks planning is for dorks, I might be like, boom, life verse, got it putting that on a magnet right on the fridge, right? On Amazon immediately, Matthew 6, 34, magnet. I'm sure you can find a bunch. Here's the context. Let's go back to verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your bodies to what you will put on. Is life not more than food, the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather crops into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to his lifespan? Why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth, yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then saying, what are we to eat? What are we to drink? Or what are we to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. 
but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be provided to you. Then it says, so do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do you see the difference? The point here is not don't think about tomorrow. Jesus never said that. (laughs) He said don't worry about tomorrow. A very distinct difference. Some of us have a hard time pulling those two apart just because of the way we're wired, but, but there is a distinction. He didn't say don't think about tomorrow, don't make a plan. And his point here, even when he talks about, look man, the sparrows aren't, aren't storing up in barns, that doesn't negate the, the wisdom we see in Proverbs about the ant doing the very same thing. The point here is not that having a plan or harvesting when it's harvest time, putting some in the barn and having a plan for winter is bad. That's not bad. He's just saying, don't worry. And if, if let's say the harvest isn't good, he's still going to provide for you because the sparrows didn't do it and he feeds them. Amen? The difference. So God's not against planning and goal setting, okay? He's not. But he does want us to be humble and he wants us to be thoughtful in the way that we do it. There is a biblical way to go about it and so I just I want to give you three considerations. Uh, there's a lot more that could be said, um, but I I think this will this will suffice. If I give you know if I give you twelve, <clears throat> may not remember any of them. Let's let's focus on three real important things when it comes to the idea of biblical goal setting or gospel shaped goal setting. Okay, because really when I oftentimes when I say biblical. I mean gospel-shaped, because I have a firm conviction that the entirety of the scriptures are pointing us to Christ and his gospel, okay? So those two are almost interchangeable for me. They don't have to be for you. I'm just explaining where I'm coming from. Uh, Maybe you don't like that. If you don't, let's talk about it. I wouldn't know why, but in any case. Uh, Now, these three that I'm going to give you, we can really, we can go back to the first, turn back to James 4 with me, if you would. James 4, I know we hopped all over the place, I took you to a bunch of scriptures, but James 4 really is serving as our anchor text today, Uh, kind of home base, okay? So if you turn back to James 4, what what I want to talk to you, these these three considerations when it comes to biblical goal setting or gospel-shaped goal setting, planning, uh, I think we can see them all in, in James 4. We only read verses 13 and 14 before. I was, I was reading you stuff out of context on purpose to set up that idea, right? That when you do that, dangerous ideas can be formed. And some, here's what's terrifying. Somebody would have a scripture for it. Here's what I believe about this because James 13 and 14 says it or Matthew 6, 34 says it or you know, name your scripture. It's like, well, hold on, man. There's a whole Bible. <laughs> so let's make sure we're considering what the whole counsel of God's word says. And that's, you know, that, what does that do? For some of us, we're like, hold on, man. I have to know what the whole Bible says about everything? Like, what? Well, I, I, okay, don't panic. Here's, here's all I'm trying to encourage you towards is, is humility and like probably some slowness when it comes to getting real solid about an idea, particularly something like this, Right? When it comes to the doctrine and application, what does the Bible teach about planning and goal setting? Right? You don't want to go grab Matthew 6, 34, James 4, 13 to 14, and be like, Bible says plans are for dorks that don't have any faith. 
That's what the Bible says about it. Or you don't want to go on the other side and say, Jesus said, don't even try building a tower until you have it all mapped out. If you don't make plans, you're a vagabond, right? Like that's, that's not what the Bible says about it on either side. The Bible has a lot to say about it. We need to consider it all, okay? What the Bible can, pushes us towards is considerate planning, humble planning, gospel-informed planning, eternal keeping an eternal lens on our planning and goal setting, okay? So that's, let's see if we see that here. Um, I'm gonna give you three things. So how, how do I biblically go about setting goals, making plans, all right? The first thing I'm gonna give you, you're probably not surprised, is we should pray first, okay? We should pray first. Now, what do, let me just real quickly say this. I don't mean that you need to sit down with a blank piece of paper and say, okay, Lord, tell me exactly hour on the hour what to do today. Okay? That's, that's not what I mean about praying first before you make a plan. What I do mean is that as a general rule, the Bible says we should, we should pray without ceasing, right? That all of our life should be lives of, of prayer. And so as you're going about some, some, things, some things we don't need to pray about. The Bible's already given us some clear directives as followers of God about what things we should do, right? Like we should provide for the needs of our household. So you don't need to sit down and pray, Lord, should I uh, do something to make money to eat and stuff? Okay, yep, you should. Now, special considerations, there's of course abound and I'm not, I'm not covering all of those, but you get my point, okay? So, but when it comes to, Goal setting, planning, we should, we should pray. Uh, James 4, verse 2. Because we should be people of prayer all the time. Pray without ceasing. It says, verse 2, You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. So sometimes, here's what I'm really trying to caution you towards away from and, and, and push you towards, encourage you towards. I'm trying, in, in that, you do not ask because you do not, you do not have because you do not ask. What, I, what, what clearly the Bible would not encourage us towards is sitting down and trying to map out some big life choice stuff and just not in any way bringing that before the Lord, not considering the Lord, not considering the, the wisdom of scripture, not considering the fact that he's placed us into the body of Christ and there's people around us with complimentary wisdom that we could consult about big plans and stuff like that. The point is, he says here, you do not have because you do not ask. Sometimes the, the walls that we hit, the deficiencies we feel in this life, sometimes are the result of the fact that we just aren't prayerful about it. We just haven't even thought to bring this to the Lord, which is so silly, right? Because we're all sitting here gathered as God's people on a Sunday morning and we're like, well, yeah, duh. But that's got to translate to out here when I'm really trying to make it happen in life, right? Prayer. We should pray first when we're trying to make goals that are gospel-shaped, biblical planning. Prayer should be involved. Pray first. We, we have the great privilege of prayer, my friends. And I'm just, I'm asking you right now, aren't you glad you don't have to go it alone when it comes to making plans? That's really the right attitude. I'm so, it's not like, oh, another checklist thing, great. Now before I sit down and make a big plan, I gotta pray. As if I have time for that, right? That's totally the wrong attitude. 
The right attitude is this. Hold, hold on, hold on. The infinitely wise, eternal God of the universe has invited me to bring my paltry little issues to his throne for consideration and will help me think beyond my limited capacity to do so. He wants to be involved with helping me make plans. The God of the universe. That's awesome. And as soon as the awe of that begins to wear off for you, stop and pray and ask God to renew it because we should live in awe-inspired wonder that God, because he loves us at any point, you can stop and speak to the God of the universe because of what Christ did in atoning for our sin. And he, he serves as the great high priest sitting at the right hand of the Father. Right? That the children of God, whenever we decide to, just because we want, we can bring prayers to the king of everything. That he hears. He desires those. God, that is precious, guys. Amazing. Okay? So, the first thing is, is pray first. <clears throat> Second thing I want to give you is to keep your parameters flexible. Keep your parameters flexible. Okay? Let me tell you what I mean. Let's go back to, uh, we're, we're going to stay in James 4, as I said. Let's go back to 13. But this time, we're going to not just read 13 and 14, we're going to read down <coughs> to 16. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Right? If you stop there, it almost feels sinful to make a plan, doesn't it? Ooh, I'm just a vapor. What am I doing planning stuff? Okay. But let's keep reading. <clears throat> He's talking about humility in this thing, man. 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. How are we feeling about New Year's resolutions right now and how we went about making them? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. We're doing good. And sometimes what happens here, I don't think, I don't think this is the intention. I just, I just want to hopefully sow some freedom seeds here a little bit. It's kind of a dumb phrase, but it just came to my mind. Here's some freedom seeds for you. Catch them if you want. Uh, <laughs> yeah, anyways. What I don't think this means is before you make any definitive statement whatsoever or anything that looks definitive, you need to say, if the Lord wills, okay? I, I do sometimes talk like that on certain things. I, I will throw that in there and it's because of this verse, but I don't think the heart of this is throwing the phrase, if the Lord wills, before everything you do. Like, hey, uh, I'm gonna go grab a bottle of water out of the fridge if the Lord wills. Okay, now sometimes if I'm going to see you tomorrow or it's a week out or whatever, you know, whatever, anything could happen. And, and on the other side of this thing, if, if you want to say if the Lord wills before any kind of definitive statement, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to stop you or, or try to talk you out of it, but um, <clears throat> it's going to add to your daily word count <laughs> quite significantly. Um, I don't think that's really the heart of the thing. The heart of the thing is is do we, do we legitimately believe this? Do we, do we legitimately believe that our plans, our devices, 
should, should always be held with loose hands because the Lord can do anything he wants whenever he wants. That's really the point, okay? And if the example he gives here is if you were going to make this big business trip and be gone for a while and you, you're kind of laying out exactly what you think is going to happen, uh, it probably does make sense to say, yeah, I, this is the plan I have and, and if the Lord wills, it'll come to pass, right? Amen, okay? Uh, but to not do that, and in your heart to think, I've made this plan, I'm really smart, I know exactly all the variables at play, and because I am so smart and I am so wise and I have made this plan, I can declare with definitive accuracy exactly what's going to happen. He says, that kind of boasting is evil. It's evil for you to be that deluded about how wise and powerful you think you are. Amen. Now, how do, we, <clears throat> how do we actually feel about that? What I want us to see is that we are free to plan and to set goals, but we, we must hold them with open hands. And you might think, again, this, this, I don't know if this feels more like a restriction to you or if it feels like an unshackling for you, but what I'm trying to advocate is that it is an unshackling. This is, to, to think this way is freedom, not bondage. The Lord is about freeing people, Okay. There's another proverb that's helpful. Uh, Proverbs 16, verse nine. It says, the mind of a person plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. The mind of a person plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. That's Proverbs 16, nine, okay? Here's, here's what I want you to see, man. That, that right there, it kind of encapsulates the idea that I'm trying to tell you James is teaching us. It's okay for us to plan. We are encouraged by Jesus and the Proverbs and elsewhere in the scriptures by prescription and description, to plan and, and use the mind that God gave us. But we must always keep in mind this reality. We make plans. We can make plans. We pray and ask for the Lord's help in doing that. But we are fallen, finite creatures, and we're going to get some stuff wrong. And, and how, how do you think about that? Are you frustrated that God might change your plan? Or are you so incredibly thankful that he might change your plan? Because if my plan is not best case scenario from God's perspective, Lord, help me. Please, every time. And if I'm being bullheaded and really what you would do with my steps is take me that way, but I'm just like, no, I'm right. I'm going this way, right? Like kick me over, Lord. Do whatever it takes. Knock me upside my head because I want to go where you want me to go. He's the infinite, wise, loving, good God that knows what's up. Amen. Hopefully, what I'm telling you today, it can, it can kind of free you from that paralysis that sometimes comes for, for some in making plans. Some of you are, some of you are so, you get, you, you're so freaked out that you're going to make the wrong move, make the wrong plan that you end up paralyzed and doing nothing. And that's, that's part of what that proverb about the ant is talking about. You can't just sit there and be a sluggard and blame God's word. Like, well, I'm, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the Lord's will is. So I'm just, I'm just going to sit here. Well, no. <laughs> No, man, harvest time is passing and winter's coming and God expected you to make wise plans using the mind that he gave you and the word that he gave you. Amen? So you can't, but, but what, what frees you from that paralysis that comes? The mind of man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his step. You do your best and remember this gospel principle. Your whole existence is based on God's grace anyways and the whole plan making thing is no different. The whole goal setting thing is no different. 
you're going to make some plans. They're going to go, and the Lord's going to help you. He's going to direct your steps. Never heard a pastor make a fart sound in the microphone. Well, I, you know, I could have come up with some big theological term for it, but sometimes a fart sound in the microphone makes the point just fine. So, Stop being paralyzed that you might make the wrong plan. And if you belong to Jesus, he's going to direct your steps. So even if you screw up, he's going to help you. His promise is he's going to work all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. If you love him, you're called by him. But on the other end, that doesn't mean we just like, oh, God's going to take care of it and just barrel forward (laughs) with none of the wisdom the scriptures encourage us towards applied in terms of planning. Oh, God's going to take care of it. Oh, well, I'm just going to throw myself down the mountain. You know, like, no, dude, that's not it, okay? And, and there's, there's extremes here, and which one you're tempted towards is, you know, going to be based on several factors, but I'm, I'm trying to help us stay out of both, which is what I believe the Bible is doing for us as well, okay? So we're making godly goals. We're making plans. We're trying to have gospel-shaped goal setting. Uh, I said we should pray first. We should keep your parameters flexible. Yes, make a plan, but keep your hands open. And not only don't sit there sweating like, oh, I hope God doesn't change my plan because my plan's so good, right? Like humbly offer up those open hands to the Lord. Like Jesus, please, any part of this you want to adjust. All of it, chuck it. That's fine too. Okay, because I believe you love me and your intentions towards me are good, okay? So pray first, keep your parameters flexible. Thirdly, I'm gonna encourage you towards, I'm gonna try to encourage you towards the reality that you can do this. You have the opportunity to be purpose-focused when you're making plans and when you're setting goals, to be purpose-focused. We read James 4, 2 there about you don't have because you don't ask. He continues, In verse three, he says, you ask and do not receive. So first problem is you maybe aren't praying at all. That's part of why you're not receiving what you're hoping for. You're not asking, okay, duh. Uh, But he goes on further. He says, but sometimes you ask and don't receive. Why? Why does that happen? Because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. This last thing I'm giving you is I'm I'm encouraging you to be purpose-focused when you're making plans, when you're setting goals. Be purpose-focused. Focus. Don't just come up with goals. Think about why you want to reach those goals. So crucial, guys. According to uh, some statistics done in uh, 2021, it was a relatively small sampling of Americans, 1,500, but the top three resolutions for 2021 were guess, lose weight, uh, not stop smoking, but it's up there. Don't get COVID. Yeah, well, <laughs> it probably didn't work out for a bunch of them. So you guys nailed the first one. So it's, it's exercising more and losing weight. That kind of goes together. It's number one, okay? And then saving more money is number two. It, it's, it's exercise more, lose weight, save money is the way they did it. I would put those first two together, physical health stuff, Right? Uh, work off the, the Christmas fudge. Um, and then saving more money, number two. So 
Um, 50% of respondents said they were focused on exercising more. 48% said they wanted to lose weight. And 44% said they wanted to save more money. And 4% kept all of their resolutions. That was a four. (laughs) 4%. 8% said they kept most. Why is that? Well, maybe lots of reasons. It's probably an indictment on... our species at one level, but uh, an evidence of our sinfulness and slothfulness and all of that. But there's probably lots of reasons, but what I want to submit to you today along this vein is that an an eternal lens may help us overcome our short-sightedness when it comes to plan-making, goal-setting, and and if you want to call it a New Year's resolution, that, right? Like an eternal lens could help with the short-sightedness because everyone gets super pumped up about, I'm going to exercise more, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to save more money, and then for some reason, 4% of people follow through. <clears throat> so, I mean, the question has to be asked, like, what good is that, right? It's not very good for 96% of the people, right? Um, the goal here is not for you to feel condemned about your 2021 <laughs> New Year's resolution list, okay? The point here is trying to give us better purpose, in planning and goal setting broadly in our life, but also probably many of us in here thought about exercising more, <laughs> right? Losing weight and or saving more money like the rest of America this year. So, let's, but, so let me give you an example of how we, those top three resolutions, and there's many more, and we could, we could do this all day long. Uh, I won't, but we could. I, I wanna show you how to, how to apply an eternal lens, how to make sure... These, these kinds of goals and plans are gospel-shaped and why that helps us, okay? So the first bucket, right, it's that exercise more, lose weight thing, that physical thing, okay? There's nothing wrong with setting a goal to exercise more or eat less or eat better or whatever it is, but for us as followers of Jesus, we don't get to just stop at, um, I'm gonna make this goal to exercise more or eat less or whatever the thing is. I'm gonna make this physical goal we have to push ourselves beyond that and, and really ask some hard heart level questions about why, and it should be coming from a position of gospel freedom. Let me rephrase that. It can come from a position of gospel freedom. I don't want you to see it as a should. It's, I want you to see it as an opportunity, man. Most people are looking at themselves in the mirror after Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the stuff, and they're being driven by certain things that make them think about exercising more and losing weight in the new year as a new year's resolution, right? And that's what I want to get at. What's driving them? Because the gospel frees us from placing and basing our identity on cultural standards of beauty, okay? That's a beautiful thing. That's a, that's a wondrous thing that I don't have to be ran by what my culture says is beautiful or acceptable when it comes to my physical appearance, and I don't have to tie that to my worth and value as a person. My worth and value as a person is tied to the fact that the King of Kings, the infinite one, the Holy One of God shed his perfect precious blood to purchase me. That's what establishes my value, not my waist or uh, clothing size. Amen. So my value is not set by that. And I can, so, so what does it look like to have a gospel-shaped New Year's resolution or goal about physical health. Well, 
I want to be physically healthy because God gave me this body and called me to steward it, right? So I don't even own me. God does. And so I want to take good care of what he has entrusted to me to take care of. That's a good gospel-shaped reason. I want to... I want to be healthy as long as I possibly can. And the factors that have to do with that, that are in my control, I want to do the best I can to be strong and healthy, to serve other people, to serve my family, to serve the church, and to be a part of kingdom work in the world. You know, if, if I get sloppy with, with my health and I'm doing stuff that is contributing to, you know, preventable diseases and things like that, and that, that slows me down in terms of, what God would call me to do in the kingdom, that's, that's a bummer. I don't want to do that. And so, yeah, I do want to be more, I want to exercise more in, in 2022 than I did in 2021. And I want to eat even healthier. And, but I don't want any of us doing that for reasons other than what the gospel would call us to. Being driven by some kind of lesser reason or bondage type reason or condemnation about it. Okay? What about financial, right? 40% of people say they want to save more money. That's nothing wrong with that goal. There's nothing wrong with that goal, but there's a why behind that that needs to be considered. There's a gospel way to see that and a real selfish way to see that. Do you want to save more money because uh, you like buying more stuff on Amazon or whatever the deal is, right? Like I want to save more money or, or here's a real, you know, Proverbs says that the wealthy man imagines his wealth an unscalable wall. Do you want to save more money because you're tired of feeling insecure and you think more finances stacked up is going to make you feel more secure? A security and a stability that should come from the fact that Christ your king has said he's going to take care of you, right? That's not, that's not a good motivation for saving more money this year. You probably should save more money this year and buy less dumb stuff. We probably all should. Amen? Yeah, but Why? Because, because we can't be gospel-shaped in this. We can't be looking at this through gospel lenses and wanting to save more money be primarily about making me feel better or feel safe or buying more stuff for myself. Because if I'm, if I'm looking at that idea through the gospel and I'm looking at Jesus pouring out everything, giving away everything for me, then generosity is going to be one of the major factors driving my desire to save more money. I want to blow less money so I can give more money. So I can fund the kingdom. So I can pour more into sowing gospel seeds into the world for however much time we have left to do that. Right? Or just, I want to have more so that I, I can be a blessing when those opportunities come. In, in Paul writing to the Corinthians, he said, you've been made rich so that you, this is the NIV. It's the first way I memorized it. And I, I can't, I haven't got it in the NASB yet, but he says, I like the way he worded it. He says, you've been made rich so you can be generous on every occasion. And that verse early on in my Christianity, it struck my heart, man. And it made me realize, and I, and I don't have time to get into convincing you you're probably richer than you think you are. Just take it at that. I mean, in the time and place that you live, you're probably richer than, than most people who have ever existed, okay? So whatever, that's all I can say about that. Um, and the real point there is whatever's been put into your hands, part of why God has done that is so that, to use you as a funnel, to use you as a steward. Right? You've been made rich so you can be generous on every occasion. Okay, so um, that's, a different, that's a different way, that's a gospel-shaped way to set goals and make plans. Um, 
The, the, the things itself, exercising more, saving more money, <clears throat> those are not good or evil, but the motives behind them can be. Okay? Um, and the last one is, hopefully for some of us, we've got some spiritual <laughs> New Year's resolutions. Hopefully we just didn't think about uh, trying to get stacked and uh, stacked, you know. <laughs> I, that was not, a, I, that just came. <laughs> Told y'all I'd get you. You just gotta get, I gotta get warmed up. Uh, you know, stacked and stacked. Um, hopefully that's not the only thing those of us who are followers of Jesus were thinking about when we thought about the new year and what we'd like to do, the plans we'd like to make, the goals we'd like to set. Hopefully there were some spiritual ones there, but I, I also, it's, that's probably the most important one that we look at through a gospel lens. Because maybe you're thinking, you know what, uh, I got very distracted by other things this year and the, the rate at which I gather with God's people on Sunday has been abysmal. I want to do better at that in 2022. That's crickets. <laughs> Nobody's thinking that, huh? I mean, you should have been. Anyways, um, but, but here's, here's my thing, man. Whether it's that or it's like, oh, I, want, I, need to, I know I need to read the Bible more. I'm going to read the Bible more in 2022 or I'm going to, I'm going to pray more in 2022 or whatever, whatever kind of spiritual discipline and that's most likely where these things land when it comes to kind of New Year's goals and resolutions. Whatever you're thinking about, friend, I want, I want to make sure it is soaked in this gospel reality. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not at all does God want you feeling condemned about how little you read your Bible or how little you gathered with God's people this year or how little you gave towards gospel ministry or, or how little you prayed this year. And then out of that guilt and condemnation, try to white knuckle it because the calendar switched over to a new year and go, I'm going to do it more now. And somehow prove that you're worthy of God's love in so doing, or somehow try to hit the reset button and like, okay, well, I didn't, I didn't really, I, I didn't really act like a Christian this year, but now I'm going to, and, I, and I'm going to, I'm going to prove that I am. No, man, that's not how that works. At all. The gospel frees you from that nonsense. The gospel puts you in a position where you can, you can ask God to cultivate in you a genuine desire for these things so that it's not white knuckle, condemnation, guilt driven garbage. That's bondage, not freedom. You've been set free. The gospel sets you free to make goals, to set New Year's resolutions or make plans, not out of guilt and condemnation, but out of a genuine love motivated response to being set free from all that garbage by the precious truth of the gospel of Christ. You will not do anything this year that will make God love you more. And you will not do anything this year that makes God love you less. You can't. It's not how it works. His great love for you was infinitely expressed at the cross of Christ. His faithfulness to do all that he's promised was expressed when Jesus got up out of the grave. And what he desires for you this year is yes, to make goals and to make plans and to pray about those. To keep your hands open though and, and welcome him into that process. And in every plan, and in every purpose, every goal, whatever it is, to make sure the purpose, you're examining the purpose. You're thinking about it. And, it's, and that's the focus of the thing, the why, not the What? Don't get duped into doing stuff that in the end, it's just, it's just more gravel in the mouth. 
It's nothing. It's taking us further away from the end goal of walking with Jesus and doing God's will. Okay? Praise the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Uh, first of all, Lord, I, in looking at this and in laying this out for us to eat today, uh, I, was just, I was so struck again by the reality of the brilliance of your word, how you, <laughs> you take subjects and issues and you force us to think harder and longer and more humbly than we almost ever would on our own. Lord, we all, you've wired us all certain ways. You've made us certain people and then brought us together and made us into your body with various gifts and various personalities and, and strengths and weaknesses. And, and that's all on purpose. And you did that for our good and for you to be glorified. So no one of us would ever think we were the one that was, that was gonna represent you fully in the world. We need each other. We get all that. Uh, but Lord, that also means we got consistent blind spots. We just see things sometimes the way we see it. We get stuck in ruts. And I, I just thank you for the opportunity today to, to look at this idea of goal setting and, and, and <clears throat> making plans and, and to, to just see, the, the, get a glimpse at the fullness of what your word has to say about it, to, to humble and to sand down our rough edges and our thinking around this. And I thank you, God, that that you do that by your Holy Spirit. I think that your word is a scalpel and it does surgery and it helps us. We need it, God. We need you. Please help us to be a people of unceasing prayer, to be a people that always have our hands open in our plan making and, and, and then we're always considering. We're humbly submitting our purposes to you. We don't want to be driven by by sinful motivations. We don't want to be driven by fears and, and feelings of inadequacy, Lord. You, you vanquished all those things at your cross and when you stepped out of the tomb. So please help us not live as slaves to things that you've already set us free from. Sometimes we do that, Lord. We admit that and we're sorry. Sometimes we go pick up shackles you took off and we put them back on willingly, but we don't want to do that. We want to do that less and less for your glory, Master. We want to be able to invite others into this freedom we've found in you alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.com dot org